You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Don't you worry about a thing. And so just to review, just very briefly, I mentioned to you that the prescription for worry was prayer. Amen. And then I talked to you last week and reminded us collectively that the immunization for worry is kingdom living. And again, uh, immunization being that process by which an individual's immune system uh, becomes fortified against a particular agent. And so the tools of distraction that lead to destruction. The enemy has these tools of distraction. Worry is one of them. By way of example, worry, anger, strife, discouragement. Um, those those are the th- anger. Those are the things that he often carries with him in his tool bag to distract us and to try to destroy us. Amen. And so we don't want to be in a place where we fall for his tools of distraction that lead to destruction. One of his favorites is worry. Because it clouds, uh, it clouds, uh, the judgment. It, 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 uh, puts us in a place and puts us in a fog, if you will, where it is difficult for us to see our God because we're not focused on our God. We're focused on our issues and our challenges and not the God that can solve them. So the immunization for worry, as I reminded you, was kingdom living. And the first, uh, place that, that we went And this is where we stopped was we talked about rejoice in the Lord. Amen. That's the right outlook. So rejoice in the Lord was the right outlook. And it was so important. The Apostle Paul said it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And so I challenged you last time and I and I had to remind myself again, anytime we get to a place where we're starting to get discouraged and down or we're starting to worry and that anxiety starts to build, I challenge you to listen to the songs of Zion. Uh, even this morning, I was listening uh, to commission. I took it all the way back to commission. I took it all the way back to ordinary, just won't do. I need a love that's pure and too true. I can only find it in you, Jesus. I, I, I had to take it back to no more loneliness. Lord, I uh, don't want to be lonely anymore. And so there's no more loneliness. And so, again, being reminded about who God is, get your focus on him, allows you to be in a place where you have the right outlook about every situation and challenge, which is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. First Thessalonians 5.16, as I reminded you, said rejoice Evermore. Now, the, the second thing that the Apostle Paul reminds us about or exhorts us about in terms of immunization and kingdom living, he says, not only just rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse five says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Amen. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. So what is he saying? He's saying not just rejoice in the Lord. He's saying refrain from harsh ways. Amen. It's not just rejoice. It's refrain. Refrain from harsh ways. What kind of harsh ways would you be talking about refraining from? He says in gentleness. It's about gentleness. Amen. 
it's how we engage with those that were are within our circle of influence. In Second Corinthians 10 and 1, the Apostle Paul says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold went away. He says, I've been accused of, uh, uh, of kind of being a little, a little harsh or a little too direct, but he says, I don't have to approach it that way. I can approach it and in, in meekness and in gentleness of Christ, I'll appeal to you to do what I'm asking you to do. That's an appeal. And Philemon 1, 8, 9, he says this, therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold. And order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. It, it is a, it is a disposition. It is an approach that you have to have, that I have to have in terms of immunizing ourselves against these tools of, detra- of distraction, including worry, where the way that we're doing things are, uh, somebody can take notice. And so that rejoicing, that joy may not be seen amen because that you rejoicing and you know nobody really saw me this morning amen trying to keep pace on the treadmill and sing uh uh commissions no more loneliness at the same time amen and i can't do more than one thing at a time so but but i'm saying nobody saw that but what you will see and what everyone will see is how we interact with one another so gentleness will be noticed so if they may not see your rejoicing they will see your interaction they will see your gentleness and so again refrain from harsh ways why because that's the right outgrowth the right outgrowth is to have gentleness one of the best examples of that is found in in second timothy 2 and 23 when it says but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife but the servant of the lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men apt to teach Patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure would give them uh, repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by them at his will. Amen. And so he says, listen, you have to have a, a, a disposition of gentleness because you're trying to appeal to people that are being taken captive by the enemy. He says the, the whole point of, uh, of promoting the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and interacting with people is to be able to show them that they might be in a place where they might repent and recover. And so don't you don't have to hit them with the sledgehammer of the gospel. You don't have to hit them with the sledgehammer of the truth. He said, I need you to have some creep to your game. Be gentle. Come alongside folks. Help them to see that they are destroying themselves and that the devil is taking them captive at his will. So he said, it's important with everyone, amen, that you refrain from harsh ways. Now, that requirement that it really be with everyone is the difficulty. Because with certain folks, you figure I can be gentle. I, you didn't do anything to me. You've never offended me. You, you've never uh, uh, made me upset. And so I can be gentle with you. But then there are other folks that have irritated you and, and have gotten on your nerves. They're probably 
the people that you're sheltering in place with right now. Amen. And so the requirement to be gentle with those that are close to you. Amen. So that you're not smacking uh, folks and you're not being really harsh with people that are right there as well. So you need to have this disposition or this understanding, this ability to refrain from harsh ways that goes with everyone. And that's what makes it hard to implement. And what's your motivation? The motivation that should be for everything we do. The Lord is near. You say, well, he's tarried this long, but I can tell you what. As the scripture says, today our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Amen. And so don't, don't, literally don't sleep on the fact that the Lord is coming back and he's coming near and it is nearer than it was yesterday, nearer than it was last week. And it'll be nearer tomorrow if he doesn't come today. Amen. And so understanding that God is coming back, that Jesus is coming back is part of the motivation for us to refrain from harsh ways with one another. And then he says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, petition, excuse me, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so we've already talked about that. That was last week. But in the overall, that's the prescription again for worry, which is prayer. But in the overall immunization against worry, I would say, tell it to you this way. That verse helps us, reminds us to rely on prayer. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. Refrain from harsh ways. Rely on prayer. And as we talked about last week, there are four different aspects of prayer that we were that are emphasized in this passage that I reminded you about, about the action, about the appeal, about the attitude we need to come with, the attitude of gratitude. And then the articulation that we can literally make our request known to God. Amen. And so that is our right. That's our privilege in the body of Christ. Hebrews 4 says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. And so that that God wants us to draw near to him. That is the way that we communicate with him most effectively is we pour out our heart to him in prayer. It's the right outlet. Amen. Prayer is the right outlet. There's some there's some places that that you can go that that when you want to talk about how you want to deal with your worry and deal with some that are not productive for you. You don't spend a lot of time talking to a whole lot of people about what you're worried about. They can't do anything for you. But the person that can do something for you is the person you need to rely on in prayer. And that's why Psalms 121 says, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so knowing that you have plugged into the right outlet, doing the right thing. And so rely on on prayer. And. And we'll get back to this because you'll see it again in verse nine. Verse seven says, and the peace of God. I love that. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we'll get back to that because I would think you would think that's pretty exciting. And it is. But it's something even more exciting than that. Amen. And we'll talk about it in a sec in a second. But the next 
verse says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there, if anything is, if there be any virtue, the King James says, and if there be any praise, think on these things. I love the fact that if you look in the NIV, you see over and over one of our favorite words that we respond to and one of our favorite words that we tell somebody else when they tell us something. And that word is whatever. Whatever. Now, I want to ruin whatever for you. My good and dear friend, Minister Tim Cross, that is here in the back, that is his favorite word as we interact with each other. I could tell him something, and we're going back and forth and joking. I know that if I just keep pressing and keep going, at some point, Tim is going to either text me a W in the hands, or he's just going to call and say, listen, brother, whatever, whatever, whatever. The Apostle Paul says whatever too, but he says it in the context of whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, the Apostle Paul says think on these things. So whatever, yeah, whatever is true. Whatever's honest, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever. That's what the Apostle Paul wants you to start making the association with whatever. Whatever is that is right to reflect on. So again, it's the Apostle Paul says reflect on the right things. Amen. He says reflect on the right things. That's how you immunize yourself against these tools of destruction, these tools of distraction that lead to destruction. That's how you immunize yourself against worry. You think about the right things. Whatsoever is what the King James says. The NIV says, whatever is true and honest and pure and just and love. love. There are six Christian virtues that are listed there. And the Apostle Paul says you need to reflect on the right Things, Amen. Reflect on the right things. Why? Because it's the right outflow. It's the right outflow. And you would say, well, well, I'm talking about thinking about the right things. You're talking about outputs. I thought maybe that would be a, a, a inflow or input. No, I, I would I will tell you this. There's a process that happens. Uh, in terms of how you live your life, it's been said many times, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Amen? Sow a, th- sow a thought, reap an action. And so again, it all starts with your Thought life. It all starts with my thought life. As a matter of fact, Jesus was having a discussion with the, with the, with the Pharisees and they were very upset with Jesus because they caught the disciples eating with unwashed hands. Now, in this day and age, as you've seen, we spray in Lysol and, and wipes and everything. We've gotten a heightened sense of how good it is to have clean hands. But let me tell you, what Jesus said uh, about this, this, in terms of emphasis, 
Peter, he, there was a, he used a parable and, and, and Peter said, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said in verse 16 of Matthew 15, are you still so dull? Don't you see that what, whatever <laughs> enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these things make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Amen. So in terms of in terms of that that uh, emphasis, Jesus is not saying don't wash your hands. He says, but but you need to have clean hands really flow from having a clean heart. And so it's a the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. Amen. Colossians three, one and two says it this way. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And so he says, I need you to be heavenly minded. Amen. I need you to pray like Jesus prayed in, in, in Matthew chapter six. Our father, whom I, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, again, we're supposed to be bringing heaven down to earth. And so, again, we have to have our minds set on things above. That's what Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And so whatever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, those those virtues, all of them have kind of a similar context. But but again, it, we should be thinking about the right things. And so if you start to think about the right things, you have a much greater chance, beloved, of doing the right thing. And so that's why thinking is about outflow. He says, whatever comes in to the heart, then it'll come out of the heart. And he says, so if you put the right things in, you'll get the right things out. Good inputs, good outputs, good inflow, good outflow. It's the right outflow. So when you say to somebody, whatever, I want you to finish the thought and say, whatever is true. Whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If there be any virtue, beloved, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why? It's the right output. And in Second Corinthians 10 and 5 also reminds us about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds the casting down of every imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ and so again he says there's a spiritual uh, there's a there's a spiritual warfare element that's going on where you have to understand that the weapons of our warfare are about about pulling down strongholds and casting every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought. So we have to get a handle on our thought life. Amen. Because if you're thinking the wrong thoughts, you're going to start doing the wrong actions. And if you start having the wrong actions, you're going to start having the wrong habits. If you have the wrong habits, those habits are going to lead to the wrong character and the wrong character leads to the wrong destiny. For somebody who never has accepted Jesus Christ as personal savior. But it starts with how 
you are thinking about things. And so he says, I want you to reflect on the right things. That's how you immunize yourself against worry. Because if you are thinking about truth and honesty and purity and, and, and justice and those things that are lovely and of good report, amen, you don't have time to be thinking about those things that make you what? Worry. It's the right outflow. And then I love it, particularly in the, in the King James, that Philippians 4 and 8 ends with these things. And then verse 9 starts with those things. All of life is about these things and those things. Amen. And the, the apostle Paul says, think on these things, but then I need you to do those things. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. He says, I need you to reproduce the right stuff, not just reflect on the right things, reproduce the right stuff reproduce the right stuff and i'm meaning reproduce because paul says i've already produced it and shown it to you i need you now to imitate what i have done those things which you have learned and received heard and seen in me my whole manner of life you'll be great if you do that just do that do that it's the right output you're looking for output god is looking for Output from us. That's the, 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 the walk that we have, the worship and, and the walk, uh, and, and, and everything that we do and the work that we do for the kingdom. That's really the output. And he says, if you're thinking about the right things, then, and if you start to, you, if you reflect on the right things, he says, then I need you to reproduce the right stuff. Literally, as we talked about it in men's Bible study, uh, yesterday, that, that really is reminding us about discipleship. Amen. The apostle Paul says, it's, it's, he's got all the bases covered. What you've learned and re- received, heard and seen, learned and received. What, what have, what have I, what have I taught? It's about what's being taught. But then heard and seen is not about what's taught. It's about what's caught. Amen. I learned more about what it was to be a man by watching certain men. If you want to be a man, you need to see a man. My grandfather was one of the greatest men I have ever had the privilege of interacting with. He has been gone and in glory for almost uh, 30, uh, over 30 years, almost 30 years. But I think about my grandfather all the time, how he carried himself. My grandfather and I, to my recollection, never had any really in-depth conversations about this is what you need to do as a young man. He never really sat down. It wasn't learned and, and, and received. It wasn't that. It was with my grandfather and that generation of men, a lot of it was, it, it wasn't learned. It was heard and seen, heard and seen. 
He, he, he didn't have to tell me. I watched his manner of life and I wanted to emulate his manner of life, his faithfulness to my grandmother, his faithfulness and, and discipline around how he carried himself and what he did, how he handled his money, how he handled and interacted with people as a, as a young person. I saw all of that and it, it, it shaped me. Amen. It should shape you. Do you, you think about the men in your life? Uh, if you're a man from a young man to an older man, the apostle so Paul is saying, listen, I need you to reproduce the right stuff. How many people can honestly say they can tell somebody, listen, whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me do. I can't. I, I, I can't. I, I, I got to. You know, that's the headline. But just like the the financing commercial for the new BMW car with the lease and you got the you got the headline, but you got all of the fine print. About what has to happen in order for that. Yeah, I, I'd have to have, a, unfortunately, a lot of fine print around learn and receive, heard and seen and me do. Now, there's this period of time that you don't want to follow what I did. Don't, don't, don't emulate me during this time and, and, and about these particular things. It's a lot of fine print, but we got to get rid of that fine print so that people can be able to interact with us and we can inspect one another's lives so that we can actually be about the business of making disciples. That's really what we're about in the kingdom. It's about disciple making. Amen. And disciple making begins as the men in the, in the church know with an invitation and then there has to be instruction and there has to be illustration. Then there has to be, uh, uh, impartate, uh, imitation and then there has to be impartation. Amen. And so I need to illustrate it for you. I need you to do it and then I need you to show somebody else how to do it. That's how we keep this thing going so the apostle paul says listen as a blanket statement i'm telling you whatever i've you've learned and received heard and seen in me do it do it imitate the pattern of life imitate me he says in first corinthians 11 and 1 imitate me as i what imitate christ that really is the only caveat that you really need that's the real fine print if i'm not following if i'm not imitating christ don't imitate me but if i'm if i'm imitating christ and and putting into practice the things that i should i want you to imitate me but the apostle paul also told the thessalonians in first uh five and six of chapter one of Thessalonians, because our gospel came to you not with simple words but also with power with the holy spirit and with deep conviction you know how we lived among you for your sake you became imitators of us and of the lord amen you see that process imitate me as i imitate christ you became imitators of us and of the lord in spite of severe suffering you welcome the message with joy given by the holy spirit so whatever reflect on the right things whatever reproduce the right stuff and here's the exciting part And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, let's just back it up to verse seven for just a second, because it it, it tells us that these steps, these things will yield peace. Peace, beloved, is the right outcome. Amen. I told you to do five things, right? Or the Apostle Paul reminded us, rejoice in the Lord, it's the right outlook. Refrain from harsh ways, that's the right outgrowth. Rely on prayer, that's the right outlet. Reflect on the right things, that's the right outflow. And then reproduce the right stuff, that's the right output. And that will yield peace, which is the right outcome. 
you and I need the peace of God. Amen. And the reason you need the peace of God is right there in verse seven, because the the apostle Paul reminds us that the peace of God passeth all understanding and it will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, beloved, is a perplexing peace. Amen. It's a perplexing peace. He says, beyond your ability to understand, the peace of God will flow in your life. Amen. It's 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 not unlike the the love of God that's described in in Ephesians chapter three and seventeen through nineteen, or the the power of God in Ephesians chapter three and twenty, where where you can kind of see that that same kind of language, the same kind of language is used in verses 17 through 19 when he talks about the, the the love of God. He says, so that Christ Christ may dwell it. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may, with, may have power together with all saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasseth knowledge. Amen. He says, I'm trying to get you to know something that's unknowable. It's perplexing. That love of God is. And then in verse 20, he says, now to him who is able to uh, keep you and to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. And so God is saying to you, listen, I'm giving things that, that are beyond your ability to even process them. I've given you my love. You can't process that. I've given you my power that you can't process that. Now I'm telling you and affirming for you. I'm also giving you the peace of God. When you, when you rejoice in the Lord and you, re, and you rely in prayer and you do all the things that I've said, the peace of God, which is the right, the right outcome will be in your life. And it is a perplexing peace, but it's also a protective peace because it said it will guard your heart and mind. Amen. That word in the Greek is, is a word that, that brings to mind a word picture of garrison. It's a military term. He says that, that, that you need somebody to guard. You need something to guard your mind at all times. Amen. You need something to guard your heart and mind. Matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter four, the, uh, uh, King Solomon says to guard your, to guard your heart for out of it, what flow the issues of life. He said, above all, guard your heart. Again, that helps you to understand heart and mind and Jesus's words in Matthew 15 about what comes out of the heart is what defiles you. He says, you need something to garrison in a, in a military to, to keep watch over your heart. Why? Because your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what Jeremiah 17 and 9 reminded. He said, so I got to even, I need to guard you even against yourself. Because if, if left to your own devices, you may begin to, begin to process some things in such a way that you should not. He says, I promise you the peace of God will literally garrison your heart. It'll be like having a, a, the peace of God is on point. It's on watch while you're sleeping. God is protecting you and protecting your heart with his peace. Yes. Yes. So that you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Because God says, my peace is on the job. Thank you, Lord. And I'm guarding your heart and your mind with my peace. And I'm doing it in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So that means it's a, it's a present peace. Because <laughs> Ephesians 2 and 14 reminds us, for he is our Peace. And so not only 
do you get the peace of God? It's a perplexing peace and a protective peace and a present peace. That should be enough to have you shouting wherever you are or at the very least hitting a like button, a love button. But if you if that won't get you to do it, this next point will. Because verse nine. So verse seven says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. But verse nine says, and then the God of peace will be with you. And so not only do you get in this process the peace of God, beloved, you get the God of peace. Uh Oh, that's a different level. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get the, not only the peace of God, it, you, you get the God of peace. And I, and I'm, I'm so excited about the God of peace because you know that the God of peace doesn't just bring peace with him. He brings the whole bag. Just like Satan's got a bag that he carries around, the God of peace has some stuff that, that's in his toolkit and in his toolbox as well. And so the God of peace is not just bringing peace and you're reminded of that in Hebrews chapter 13 in the doxology which says, and now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So again, if you just took a little time to break that apart, you see that the God of peace isn't just about peace. The God of peace brings power. The God of peace brings protection. The God of peace brings provision. The God of peace brings purpose through the person of Jesus Christ so you can praise. That's what the God of peace brings. He doesn't just bring peace. He brings the whole package because whatever you need, the God of peace is. And he shows up in your life and in your situation and in your challenge. And so if we can do these things and the God of peace will be with us. And what is better than having the God of peace plus the God of power and protection and purpose and provision all through the person of Jesus Christ? Because everything you need, he is. I could stop there. But I got one more thing to tell you. I got one more thing to tell you. Boy, that's a good place to stop, though. I understand. I understand. I'm feeling that. But I just got one more thing to tell you. Or the Apostle Paul does. He, he, he wants to share with you the antidote for worry. There's a prescription. There's an immunization. There's an antidote for worry. An antidote is a medicine taken that will counteract a particular poison. Beloved... According to this passage, I would tell you that the antidote for worry is contentment. The antidote. You want to knock it out? <laughs> you want to take, you want to get to a place where if you're in this place that you don't have to, you don't have, you definitely won't be worrying about anything because you will be in a place of contentment. And this is the Apostle Paul's final whatever. Got one more whatever for you. And it comes in the fact that the antidote for worry is contentment. And he says, I rejoice greatly, verse 10, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. And then I know you've been concerned but had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. The apostle Paul says, I'm not saying it because I'm in need. For I have learned. Yeah. 
to be content whatever the circumstances. The Apostle Paul says, whatever the circumstances, whether you're sheltering in place with COVID or you're able to go to work, whether you are running inside and being creative in terms of how you exercise or you're free to go to the gym like you were before. He says, I, I know, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. The apostle Paul says, I've been all over the world. I've slept on some yachts and I slept in the street. I, I, I've been out to sea and I've, and, and I've, and I've slept in a, in, in the Four Seasons Hotel. I've been all around. I, I've seen it all and done it all. But whatever happens, I've learned something that I need to be content. That's the antidote, beloved, to worry. To get to that place of contentment that you can say whether I am in need or I am in want or if I'm up, if I'm down, if I'm in, if I'm out, whatever. Whatever. Because I am content. And then he reveals as if it's just like we're going to end here. And he says, shh, I got a secret though. Shh. Do you want me to tell you what the secret is to being content? Okay, shh. I'll tell you. Don't tell nobody though. The Apostle Paul says, if you want to get to a place of contentment, he says, I have learned the secret of being content. He says, it's in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He said, that's the secret. That's the secret to being content. That's the secret to know and understand and experience. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not worried about anything, whatever, because whatever I need, he is because I have the God of peace with me. He provides a peace, that personal peace, that personal peace through Christ, that perplexing peace, that protective peace. He provides all of that. And I can't even understand how my mind is, is, is being kept. But even beyond that, I know that the God of peace brings power with him and he brings protection with him and he brings purpose with him. He brings provision with him because everything I need he is. So I can be content. He is with me. So what else do I need and so I can walk through the flames I can walk through the fire I can shelter in place I can do all of these things I can be in a place where I don't know really where my next meal is coming from I can be in a place where I'm concerned that my unemployment may run out I can be in a place where I'm not sure if the small business loan that I just uh, applied for if I'm going to get it and what will happen with my business all I can tell you beloved is whether your business goes under or your business succeeds whether you get the unemployment for six weeks or you don't I'm telling you you can do all things through Christ who gives Gives you strength. Why can I tell you that? Because that's what the word of God says. You're going to be fine because Christ is with you and the God of peace is with you.
you and I have the better part, no matter what. And so to this set of circumstances, we can rightly say with a little bit of attitude, whatever. Because whatever is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, we're going to think about that. And whatever we've learned and received, heard and seen uh, from Scripture and from our mentors and those around us, we're going to do. And we're also going to know that whatever the circumstances, we're going to be content. Because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Whatever.